Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 169 of Blue Jays Nation Radio is brought to you by Botano. Check them out at botano.ca, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. Whether you want to bet on baseball, football season's just around the corner. Maybe you want to lock in some futures. You can do it all at Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca. Coomzy, episode 169 of Blue Jays Nation Radio is going to be a memorable one, but also a hilarious look back at episode 168 because we've been wrong about a lot of things throughout the course of this podcast. Perhaps none more hilarious than the fact that in episode 168, me and you were like, listen, David Schneider, cool. Like, yeah, he's getting called up. 28th round pick. I love the story. But come on, you're kidding yourself. If you think one guy is going to just turn around the vibes of this whole season. Ah. Yeah, I would I would love to say that we manifested this all happening by being like, hey, despite the result of the Orioles series where it looked like the team was going to lose every game for the rest of the season. Despite all that, we thought, you know what? We believe in the team. They're going to rally in Boston and they're going to show us how good they are. Instead, we were just like, ah, we'll be happy if they win one out of three against the Red Sox. And they're still in a playoff spot on Monday. I remember like word for word saying, oh, yeah, David Schneider, this is really cool. He's killing it in AAA. Absolutely deserves a chance but as we said at the trade deadline there's no way that one guy can fix this underperforming lineup no way not gonna happen well then let's not waste any time let's get into our three ups for the series sweep of the boston red sox at fenway it felt like a couple of years ago at fenway when everything was going the jays way but no story is bigger than the fact that davis schneider put together the best opening series to a career in MLB history. The first player to have nine hits and two home runs in his first three games. He homers in his first at bat. I, the guy did no wrong and everything about him is just so damn lovable from him doing his first interview with Hazel wearing like the dad shoes, the air monarchs, the mustache, He's wearing a glove that he found in a lost and found at some camp he was coaching at. Like everything about him is remarkable. Everything about that first series was remarkable. Yeah, the the vibes were just off the chart. I mean, I, we said there, there there's no way that one guy can just come up and make a difference. Well, that's obviously completely inaccurate because <laughs> David Schneider's addition to the team just injected so much life into the Blue Jays clubhouse. Like 
when he hit that first home run in the in in his first at bat over the green monster it was you look back at the at the at the replay when he comes into the into the bench and the way the other players and the team are reacting like everyone's so excited you know usually you see teams do when when a player hits their first big league home run they'll do like a silent treatment everyone just kind of stands around and pretends you know it was all coy about it it's funny there was just no way like everybody was so jazzed up and it just set the tone for the entire weekend it it, it really felt like after Schneider hit that home run not only were they going to win the friday game but they were going to kick the doors open the entire weekend the vibes after that just absolutely shifted and i mean like like we said there we we didn't think that one player could make a difference but here we are like the 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 jays badly needed some life injected into their lineup and that's what schneider brings he he has a really good approach doesn't swing at garbage waits in his sweet spot waits for his pitches and it's really refreshing watching somebody with that kind of approach when we're done recapping this series we'll talk about I mean, I guess where Davis Schneider fits in going forward as we head into a big four-gamer against the Cleveland Guardians uh, for the remainder of the week. Uh, yeah, that was just unbelievable. Nine for 13, two home runs, five RBIs. You mentioned it. I think this team just so desperately needed a positive story, especially coming into a series where it's like, okay, still no Bo Bichette, right? He's on the IL. You've lost Romano now. You've lost Richards. Like the negative stories we're just starting to pile up a little bit for this team, but you go out on the road, you get a rookie to come in and essentially be your best player for the series. And I, I think it probably just loosened everyone up to some extent. Yeah. You know who it actually reminds me of? And I mean, they're, they're probably different players in a lot of different ways, but I remember in the 2016 season, the Jays got off to a pretty slow start offensively. And it looked like the team was it just totally lost its groove from 2015 when they were so good. And the, the start was just blah. But then it was the return of Devin Travis to the team's lineup that really mm-hmm. brought them to life. And I mean, not the exact same player, of course, but similar kind of energy, right? And I mean, sometimes that's just what it takes is just injecting one guy into your lineup that has a different approach, is a bit of a spark plug. And I mean, also to the credit of John Schneider, he saw David Schneider, no relation, which gets very yeah. confusing. Schneider saw Schneider doing well and was like, all right, for the third game, I'm going to move you up to the number three spot in the lineup, which is like... Damn, that's a that's a gutsy move. Like, you know, you you wouldn't yeah. have the we, we joke about Charlie Montoya with the the spreadsheet making the decisions. You probably wouldn't have a recently called up triple A guy batting third, usually. But given the way he went, John Schneider went with his gut instinct and it worked out. Like sometimes you gotta lean into who's playing well and just put those guys up the lineup. I love that you brought that up because again, on this pod, we love bringing up that it's so easy to shit on the manager and point out when a reliever does bad. It's like, why did the manager do that? Why did he pull a starting pitcher early? But when they make good reads, you got to tip your cap too. And that was a fantastic read throwing him up into the three spot. And the guy responds with a four hit game, four RBIs hits another ding <laughs> casual, casual stuff for uh, the guy. Brandon Belt called Babe Schneider in his pregame interview, which is a nickname I think can actually stick. Uh, The first up, it's obviously David Schneider. No doubt about it. The second up for this series, how about we give some love to the three starts the Jays got. Alec Manoa goes six and two thirds. Chris Bassett cleared seven innings, only allowing the one earned run. And Jose Barrios gave up the one dinger to Rafael Devers. But other than that, Red Sox didn't get anything else on him. It was a three-run bomb from Devers, and that was it as Barrios almost went six full innings against the Red Sox. The Jays got three really good starts in that series, and it was from three guys, none of which are named Kevin Gosman, which is huge. So Barrios stays hot. Bassett's pitching really well as of late. Probably the biggest one, though, Coombsy, is 
the best start of the year from Alec Manoa. Yeah, you you kind of expect the something close to or a quality start from Barrios. You expect Bassett to log the innings. Those are the veterans. They're doing their thing. But Alec Manoa this year, you have no idea what to expect. And I I can remember looking ahead to this and seeing, oh, man, Manoa's going to kick off the Boston series. You know, he had a hard time with the Red Sox earlier this season. He had the offseason beef with Alex Verdugo. Mm-hmm. Like the Red Sox, I think it's safe to say the Red Sox aren't a big fan of him. They, they want to hit him. They want to tee off on him. They want to make a fool of him. They want to, you know, showboat as they're rounding the bases. I think that's valid to say. And Manoa pitched. It, 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 when you, there's, there's games where there was better results, like think back to that game against Kansas City earlier this year where he goes seven or eight innings, whatever it was, only allows a run or two. Sure, that was a better result, but at no point did it look like he was super confident or in control of that start like he did against the Red Sox, striking five guys out. Alec Manoa had the energy on the mound that we used to see from him in 2021 and 2022. It's something that we haven't seen that much this year because obviously his confidence, the mental aspect of the game is going to get shaken up quite a bit given the struggles that he had but this is the this is the Alec Manoa that we know. And this is the first mm-hmm. time where I've really seen this season. Yeah. I mean, there was the Detroit start too when he came back up. It's probably this one and that. But the fact he did it against a real team this time on the road in Boston, not an easy place to pitch. Like that's a very encouraging sign. This could be like a it looks like a season changing start for Manoa. Yeah, and they're going to keep going with the six-man rotation for now. But if you're viewing it as a pure Manoa versus Hunjin Ryu competition, through one go around of the six man rotation, Manoa has the clear step up here. So it'll be interesting to see if he can build on it a little bit. Uh, his control was there, which is what I liked. He walked a couple batters. He hit a batter as well, but he threw 89 pitches and 62 of them were strikes. So it wasn't the Alec Manoa that was struggling to find the zone. Just from watching it, he got a lot of batters down 0 2. He was up in a lot of counts 0 2, 1 2. So the control is what was really impressive for me. He ended up getting five strikeouts as well. So a solid start from Manoa. Rios good in game two. Bassett good in game three as well. For our third up, Coomzy, the return of the long ball. Like everyone was going yard in this thing. In the first game, I mean Merrifield, Vladdy, first inning, boom, set the tone for the series. Schneider had some Varsho got off the Schneid. He hit a dinger. Then in the final game, he came off the bench when Kiermeyer got hurt. Smacks a triple to the gap in center. Matt Chapman had himself a good series. Um, the return of the long ball, I think, could be the third up here. Yeah, it's really funny timing because uh, prior to the weekend, prior to the series, there was an article in The Athletic by Caitlin McGrath that kind of exposed a tweet from Don Mattingly saying that, oh, there's a lot of people that you know, expected the offense to be better. They expected, you know, six, seven, eight guys to hit 30 home runs. And Mattingly's saying that that's not who they are. That's not who the Blue Jays are. They're a small ball pitching team that can scrape across runs. And I think that quote led to a lot of confusion because, you know, your roster features Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, George Springer, Matt Chapman. I mean, there's four guys right there who you'd expect reasonably to be within the realm of 30 home runs. So, and then you have like Brandon Belt. He's not going to hit 30 home runs, but this is a, a lineup that shouldn't be average to below average whatsoever. And it's kind of funny seeing that quote. And it's almost like, man, did this get passed around the locker room? <laughs> did this did this make its rounds? Because on, on Friday in the first game, they teed off five different guys, hit a dinger, Vladdy hits a dinger, Chapman hits a dinger, Varsho hits a dinger, Merrifield, Davis Schneider, of course, Belt hits a dinger in the second game, Schneider hits a dinger again, 
Um, like the whole lineup just completely turned around. And I think all it really takes is sometimes you go up against some mediocre pitching and look from Boston's perspective is the lack of starting pitching depth really caught up to them this weekend because they basically did two bullpen games in a row, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday was kind of a, you know, Nick Pavetta is not really a reliever. He's a starter, yeah. but it was coming after an opener. And then you try and use the opener again the next day. That's kind of what it takes sometimes. And now the Jays have a good groove heading into Cleveland after beating up on some ho-hum pitching. Uh, there's going to be no downs for this episode because, again, they swept the Boston Red Sox and the vibes are immaculate. So let's keep going with some ups. How about George Springer? Uh, seven for 12, couple doubles, drove in some runs. He got off on the right foot in this series really from the get-go. Like early on in that first ball game, he was getting on base, getting hits. So George Springer looking like he's rounding into form and a Man, if you can get George Springer slowly building towards his peak at the same time, maybe a few other guys like a Varsho is starting to heat up and then maybe a healthy Bo Bichette. It's so funny because four days ago, man, yeah. we were just shitting on this team. And now I'm sitting here with a big grin being like, damn, it's exciting to think about what this team could do down the stretch. Like, fuck this sport. Well, there's, yeah, man, there's, there's a reason we were so rattled last episode. And it's because you look at the way the team is performing, whether the way they were performing ahead of that in the Baltimore series, um, you look at the thing and you're like, there's so many guys underachieving. There was that, that tweet from, from Glenn Allen chill where he showed, uh, Maliandro Kirk, Springer, Vladdy, those guys and what they provided offensively. And it's just like, if, if they had performed even 25% below their expectation or career average, the team would be way better off. It'd be an above average offense. So, I mean, we, we said this after the trade deadline and it's true, despite what we were saying about Davis Schneider injecting life into the lineup. That's, that's great and all, but at the end of the day, in order for the Jays to have, you know, sustain, sustained success down the stretch, it's going to come from these big names coming through and Springer goes seven for 12 with two doubles. It looks like he's clearly busted out of that slump when he went, what was it? Oh, for 30 or something like that. The Jays aren't going to do well if George Springer is in an O for 30 slump. That's one of your main guys offensively. So at the end of the day, they need those big names to produce. And if they do, the team's going to be very good. Yep. Um, Brandon Belt hit another dinger in the series. Dalton Varsho went four for eight in this series. So again, just nothing to complain about when you look at this lineup. Uh, if we wanted to bring up something that wasn't ideal, the Kevin Kiermeyer thing. Um, but so at first when he was walking off the way he was holding his arm from like the front camera, they showed up. I was like, holy shit. Did he like dislocate his shoulder going into that fence? But then you watch the replay and he absolutely heaves a throw and you remember like, oh yeah, he made like an across the diamond throw as hard as he could. He's obviously not that hurt. So it's just eight stitches. Just, I say, um, <laughs> Kiermaier should be fine. So even though that's like kind of a down, it's really like, man, eh, it shouldn't be that serious. He just needed to get his arm stitched up. Yeah, I guess the real down there is why do the Red Sox have like a garage door in their outfield like that or whatever that part of the wall was? Why do they have like a gated part of the wall where you can very easily like ding yourself up and scratch yourself? I don't get it. Why is that there? Well, is it like a vehicle coming out of that? I, I truly have no idea. I, I have no idea. Um, but I mean, if Yankees fans heard us complaining about Kevin Kiermaier's eight stitches because of the fence, they would probably uh, have something to say about it, considering... Yeah. The incident that changed their season pretty dramatically. Uh, so the Jays win three against the Boston Red Sox. We're going to do like a full preview of that Cleveland series towards the end. But Cam, I wanted to ask you, what do you do with this lineup? Because Davis Schneider is red hot. Vladdy wasn't in the lineup. That's why Schneider bumped up to third with Vladdy back. George Springer heating up, though. What do you do with Davis Schneider? Where would you play him game one against Cleveland? 
I kind of like him in that 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 run producing spot down at like number six. That's where the I, I referenced Devin Travis as sort of my comparable. And we sometimes saw Travis leading off. But where I always liked him most was down lower in the lineup in a spot where he could drive in a couple of runs. It, it seems like the Jays have had such a difficult time this year with runners in scoring position. It's not like it's impossible for them to get guys on base. They'll hit singles. They'll draw walks. They'll, they'll do their thing. But then when you get down to those spots, it's just strikeout, strikeout, ground into double play. Like how many times have we seen Vladdy or Alejandro Kirk oh. ground into a double play? How many times have we seen Matt Chapman swing through 95 miles an hour up in the zone when there's a guy on second and third? David Schneider, when you look at his splits down in AAA, and we obviously all saw it this weekend, he has a great approach and he does really well with runners in scoring positions. So, I mean, it, it would, it's cool to see him jump up to number three and be the featured hitter in the lineup. But I think he fits really well in that RBI spot because the risk thing has been a the runners in scoring position thing has been a problem all year. And this guy could genuinely be a solution to that problem in an RBI spot. Just considering that fact alone, his approach with runners in scoring position, I would be very tempted, at least for the time being, because the thing I keep kind of reminding myself is like, at the risk of being hilariously wrong again, he's not going to bat 692 all season. You know, like there, there will be a slump for this guy. He will regress to the mean a little bit here. Um, but considering how good his approach is with runners in scoring position, you mentioned his numbers in AAA. We brought them up on last episode as well. I'd be tempted to throw him above Matt Chapman just because we've seen some frustrating at bats with Matt Chapman recently. You know, maybe this Red Sox series aside, where I mean, he had three RBIs in the series finale, but didn't have RBIs in that last game. Um, I would be tempted to go Merrifield, Belt, Vladdy, Springer in the four. And then I think I might go Davis Schneider five, then Chapman six again, just because I kind of like Schneider's approach with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I honestly like when when you bring that up, I, I honestly don't hate the idea of Schneider batting right behind Vladdy. I think that's oh. something that's kind of eluded the team largely during Vladdy's career here, except for in 2021 when the lineup was so stacked, was this year and last year, there there hasn't been fantastic protection for Vladdy behind behind him in the lineup. So I don't think he has easy at-bats because of that. So maybe something to consider, especially if Schneider's just killing it right now, just toss him right behind Vladdy. See what happens. See if see if that limits or gives him easier at bats because pitchers are scared to hit to this Davis Schneider who looks to be like the best baseball player of all time at the moment. Again, if he can be just a consistent threat at the plate when Bo Bichette's healthy, we're talking about a lineup that's going to go Wit, Bo, Belt, Vladdy, Springer, potentially then Schneider, then Chapman batting seven at that point. And then Kirk, I mean, Kirk's hitting the ball well all this. Yep. He's continuing to hit the ball well. It's been a few series, actually, where he's been solid. So then Kirk's batting eight for you. And then your nine spot is whichever one of Kiermaier or Varsho are in your lineup that day. Like, damn, man, all this. Yeah. It's just funny how this the emergence of Schneider. Again, we said it wouldn't turn around the season. It <laughs> totally changed my perspective of the team. Now I'm like, ah, oh, they're deep enough to go on a run. I love it. Um, it's, but yeah. it, it's fun to now sit back and try to construct the lineup with a healthy bow and a MLB quality Davis Schneider playing second base for you every day. It lengthens you out that much more. And it's why we said they should have went out and got a right hand bat at the deadline. Turns out Atkins was correct to say, I like our minor league options more than those DFA options. But one player really seems to have lengthened out this lineup. Yeah, honestly, it's a good thing they didn't listen to us and not Nelson Cruz or 
whatever on a show me contract and said they're like yeah we got this guy mashing in triple a let's call him up also speaking of the bisons there's there's two other guys down there addison barger and spencer horwitz um both of them on the 40-man roster they've been killing it too it seems like okay they they saw their teammate go up and the way that he's been hitting and they're like all right like here we go like let's get all the buffalo boys on the team and just like completely change the, the complexion of the lineup yeah Uh, There you go. That's your six ups, I suppose, for uh, the first sweep in a while. When was the last sweep before this? It would have been coming out of uh, the All-Star break. Not actually that long. Um, The Jays now will move on and play four in Cleveland. We'll talk about the Cleveland Guardians in just a second. But first, we're going to step aside for a quick break. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Coombsy, a big four gamer against the Cleveland Guardians as the Jays will look to stay hot. It's a Cleveland team that is trying to stay in the race in the AL Central. Um, But before we preview that series, let's actually bring in Brandon Douglas for the AL East report because I'm looking at the wildcard standings. I'm seeing the Red Sox are a little bit further back than they were a couple days ago. Brando, I'm seeing the Yankees are a little bit further back than they were a couple of days ago as well. I'm assuming things broke pretty well for the Jays on the out-of-town scoreboard. For the most part, yeah. The the one team maybe be the exception there is that the Rays, um, they're more inclined at this point to be keeping pace at the top of the Orioles and sliding back into the, the Jays' realm of uh, possibilities here. Uh, the Rays, they won two of three in Detroit, and we talked at length about how the Rays had really been kind of scuttling here in the middle of the season, but they've won their third straight series, none of them against particularly good teams, mind you, uh, and it's going to continue because they're going to now host St. Louis for another three. They got uh, taking advantage of their weak stretch of the schedule, which as Jays fans and the, and the start of the season that we had know is, is huge, right? You have to take yeah. advantage of it when it is there. Um, and then the Orioles themselves, they continue to tear. Like they're not letting the Rays make up any ground on them. They actually extended their division lead uh, to three full games now because they swept the Mets, who we know are just pretty much circling the drain at this point. Nobody really left on the roster to to contribute. And even the the good players that are left there are probably pretty disheartened, I would think. I, I certainly would be if I was in their position. But the the one big note coming out of Baltimore over the weekend was that like Baltimore's attendance 
ranks in the bottom half of the league. This season, they were only averaging about 23,000 fans, but they sold out over 44,000 on Saturday. And it was like a, a celebration night. I think it was the commemoration of the last time they won the World Series, like that team or something, an anniversary type event. But still, that, that's not something to uh, to dismiss because, like I said, they almost doubled their, their average attendance for that game. Uh, more good news for the Orioles on the rehab and returning players. I think Cedric Mullins, he made a rehab start down in double a, which if my uh, memory serves me correct, included robbing a home run off the top of the wall and uh, Tyler Wells, their kind of big, really intriguing uh, starting pitching prospect who spent some time up with the big club this year, got sent back down to figure out his stuff. He, uh, he played in that same double a game along Cedric Mullins. I don't know if we'll see Tyler Wells back again. I think they might just let him ruminate down there and, and continue to figure things out. He's there as an option though. If, if injury trouble does strike Baltimore any further, the Orioles, they will host Houston for three games, and then they're going to head out on a nine-game Western Conference road trip after that. So uh, big road trip coming up for the O's. The Yankees, they lost 2-3 or three to Houston. Uh, troubles continue on the injury front for them as well. Carlos Rodon, who's missed the majority of this year uh, in his first with the Yankees, he left the game with an injury. He's going to get an MRI today to try and figure out what exactly the affliction is. Uh, Johnny Brito sent down to AAA. Luis Severino... The, the team doesn't even know where he's going to fit in with the pitching staff at this point. They don't really like him as a rotation arm. He's been bad this year. A 7.74 ERA, 2-6 and six record in 13 starts, a uh, 185 whip. Like They're kind of running out of options in New York, and, uh, and the pitching, just one of the many problems they are facing. They're going to head out on a road trip, starting with three in Chicago against the White Sox. And then the team we just saw, the Boston Red Sox, they uh, have some reinforcements coming. Garrett Whitlock, he's going to begin his rehab this week. I know I talked about it last episode about possibly doing so over the weekend, but it looks like he's going to get going here in the next few days. And when he does return, probably not going to be as a starter. It will be as a bulk reliever for them. And uh, very welcome sign. Chris Sales, second rehab start went well over the weekend in Worcester. Four and one third, seven Ks, three hits, no walks. Uh, you guys talked about it when reviewing the series in Boston. Like the Red Sox pitching is bad right now. So they need all the help they can get, whether it be in the form of Whitlock, Sale, Tanner Houck on his way back as well. Uh, they're going to host Kansas City for four games, so a chance to rebound because they are um, back down in the in the fifth spot of the division. And, and the playoffs now for both Boston and New York seem fleeting. Uh, and nice for, nice for the Blue Jays to kind of extinguish some of that hope for a division rival as well. Yeah, basically ended their season. I saw we had a piece up detailing that at the up on the site. I'll, here's a question I'll float to both of you guys. If you had to give out a crown, I suppose it wouldn't really be a crown, but the most disappointing team in the league, which fan base would be feeling most down in the dumps at this point? I think both the Yankees and Red Sox would be interesting candidates for that. Probably more so the Yankees, considering they had higher World Series aspirations. I think the Angels... And the fact they've just absolutely crumbled since deciding to keep Otani at the deadline. The Mets spent a billion dollars on pitching and are 21 games back in the NL East. They're probably, they probably deserve to be ranked up there. And probably so do the San Diego Padres as well. 10 games back of their division. Coombsy, I'll, I'll go to you first. Who's, who's been the most disappointing team in the majors this year? Uh, in totality, it's got to be, you know, the Mets of the Padres with those payrolls and those expectations. But I think when you, or then also, of course, the Yankees and the Red Sox, just because the historical thing. But honestly, if you were a Yankees or Red Sox fan and you came into the season thinking you were going to win the World Series in 2023, you were probably a little delusional. 
But I think the worst scenario right now is what the Angels have going on. Like they're, they, the, the Angels gave, gave their fans some hope in the first half of the season. They played pretty well. And it wasn't like last year where they just had a good month of April and then they fell off a cliff. It was They were pretty good up until the trade deadline. And then they made the moves. They, they added some bats, Randall Grichuk, CJ Cron. They added the pitcher. Um, and then they ultimately the big thing was choosing not to trade Shoei Otani. And since then, they've just fallen off a cliff. Like they just got swept at home in a four game set by the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners pretty much just ended Anaheim season in the same way that we're talking about the Jays doing potentially that with Boston. I mean, I think I think given the context with this pretty clearly being your last year of Otani, I don't think yeah, it doesn't look like, you know, is he going to resign there if they miss the playoffs? Probably not. I think the tease and then knowing that big picture, like this is probably your last year has got to be the worst case scenario yeah. for anybody. I feel very bad for those fans. Yeah, that's a good point. Brando, who'd be your pick? The names you rattled off there, like the, the teams that always have big aspirations, the Yankees, the Red Sox. Yeah, whatever. You have bad seasons, injury troubles hit. Those are to be expected. But I think both like what Cam said with the Angels and then the Padres as well. This is a team that historically, you know, isn't in the same realm of payroll and stuff that these bigger markets are. So when they go out and spend all this money, the big acquisition of Juan Soto last season, and now to be not even sniffing the playoffs at this point, that's got to be tough for a fan base that probably got really built up about it and then just smacked back down. And they haven't really had much of a prayer all year. One bonus one I'll throw in is maybe the Chicago White Sox because of the fact that, I mean, they, it was only a couple of years ago where it was looking like, yeah, this is a team that's going to be competing for a world series in the coming seasons. And now here they are toiling at the bottom of the league. And, the frustration with the ownership there in Chicago, it's as long as the day is uh, with um, Jerry Reinsdorf, uh, the name alluded me there for a moment. But so th- all those things rolled in for one. They said if there was a more under the radar team that's got to be disappointed as a fan base, I-, I would definitely say the White Sox. Yeah, I'd probably I'd almost in if we're talking like in tiers, I'd probably have the Cardinals in that tier as well. There's plenty of disappointment to go around baseball uh, this season, but this segment did not disappoint. Thanks, Brandon. You bet, guys. Uh, there we go. That's the AL East report with Brandon Douglas. Uh, he talked about the White Sox getting smacked around a little bit this year. They literally got smacked around this week. Uh, Jose Ramirez v. Tim Anderson. Listen, I have a ton of respect for a guy who's just going to drop his glove and straight up square up. And it didn't look at first glance like Anderson got popped all that hard, but Ramirez got him once real good. Um, that was just a good old fashioned brouhaha, Coombs. Yeah, I loved it. Oh yeah, that's uh, there's. I'm. I'll. I'll be honest. Like I'm not. I'm not a huge advocate of fighting in hockey. I'm not one of those. Like it has to be removed from the game. It's. It's horrible. But I. I don't love it. I don't. I don't really. It doesn't get me moving. But a fight in baseball, that gets you going. That's exciting. There's. There's been some really good ones in the past. I remember there was that relief pitcher Amir Garrett, like getting into it with the whole other team's bench. That was so funny. And then this one's so funny because Anderson drops his glove like it's hockey style and really squares yeah. up. And it looks like, oh damn, like Tim Anderson's ready to rock. He's gonna he's gonna kick this guy's ass. And then Jose Ramirez just gets this just this this right hand in there. And then, you know, Anderson falls back like he's just been knocked over. It was uh, really quite something. So I mean, um what how that pertains to the Blue Jays is that Jose Ramirez may wind up being suspended for this upcoming series where the Blue Jays are playing in Cleveland, but nothing's come down yet. There's been no mention. Like, is is MLB just gonna let this pass and be like, yeah. Boys will be boys. That's uh, that's pretty much what Terry Francona said after he was like, listen, it's not funny, but it's hard not to chuckle. And I mean, yeah, I like what you said, though. A good 
like benches, bullpens, all clearing out. Like the shot of the guys in the bullpen. I'm going to run down the stairs in Cleveland, like as fast as they could. It was hilarious. I like when it's legit, you know, when it's not like a made up, like, oh, a pitcher threw inside to a guy. And now the like both benchers are walking out to the mound and like no one really wants to do anything, but they feel like they have to go like stand out there for a bit and hug someone. Um, <laughs> when it's legit and it's spicy, that's good. Uh, the White Sox do end up kind of getting the last laugh. They win the last two games of the series against Cleveland. So the Guardians coming into this one on a little two game losing skid, they scored 11 runs in those three games against the Chicago White Sox. So they're not exactly hitting the best right now. I'm just looking at their stats over the last 15 days, 22nd in batting average. They have a team OPS of 679, which would rank them 26th in the league over the last half a month. So things are not exactly going well for Cleveland. They've also battled with injuries in their rotation this year. Um, so you look at the starting pitching matchups. Game one tonight on Monday, going to be Hunjin Ryu against Gavin Williams. Kikuchi gets game two for the Jays. Gosman gets game three. Alec Manoa gets game four. And Cam, when I rattle off those names, when you think about how well the Jays are playing, it's hard to not be very optimistic of their chances to go take three or four. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard to go into anybody else's stadium and sweep them in a four game set. That's a that's a pretty unrealistic expectation. But then again, it was unrealistic to assume the Jays could roll into Fenway and sweep yep. them, though we have kind of seen them do that a few times in the past. So, I mean, Cleveland's. They're, they're not very good. They're in the American League Central. And as I have to, I have to point out the American League Central is quite bad. It is. They're falling out of the playoff race here. Minnesota looks to be running away with that division with a 500 record. Cleveland's kind of falling back. Uh, the Guardians pitch pretty well. I think they don't have the same fantastic rotation they used to, but decent pitchers. It's probably going to be a lowish scoring series because their lineups just, there's not a lot there. You have Jose Marie, uh, Jose Ramirez, who we were just talking about is the best hitter there with an 861 OPS. He's good. Josh Naylor, uh, Canadian player, 846 OPS is the second highest, but he's on the injured list right now. And then their next highest OPS after that is Stephen Kwan, who's at 724, Josh Bell, 701. Then everybody else is in the 600s. Like, it's not a great lineup. It's not a lineup that scores a bunch of runs. The Jays have a handful of good pitchers going. I'm really interested to see how Hyunjin Ryu does in his second start. Because mm-hmm. the first start, there was obviously all the rust in the first inning. Baltimore really got on him. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that goes. Because they're not going to... You, you mentioned this earlier. They're not going to keep up the six-man rotation forever. So what's going to be the option? Uh, the thing that I suggested a while ago is if Manoa struggles, then he goes down to AAA because he has options. But given the way he's he pitched against Boston... I mean, seems like it's trending in a different direction. Yeah, I, I've brought this up a few times. I also don't hate the idea if you were to just use Ryu as an opener every five days and be like, hey, man, you're going to get us through the rotate or through the batting order through the first inning in a bit. And then we're going to bring in Manoa right after. And we're just going to let you guys kind of piggyback your way. You each get innings if you're if they're both like consistent enough and you can trust them enough. I don't see a downside to doing that and just keeping Ryu on the roster almost as a way to have a day where it's like, hey, our bullpen might not be as taxed because we know Ryu's going to probably get us through two innings and then Manoa can get us through four or five after and can cut down on the number of relievers we use on the Manoa start days. Um, it'll be interesting, but we're probably a couple weeks away from from having to really dig into that decision the Jays will have to make. Uh, just looking at the AL wildcard race, the Mariners are right there, two and a half back of the Jays. They've won five in a row, but they're going into a series against the aforementioned San Diego Padres, who... You know, they're still in it. As much as we talk about them being disappointed, they're only three games back of the Cubs for that last wildcard spot in the National League. Handful of teams they'd have to jump to get there, but 
they still have a reason to be competing pretty hard is my point. So Seattle's got a tough series against the San Diego Padres. Houston is taking on Baltimore. And that one gets interesting, Cam, because we have talked about how you don't want the Jays jumping into that second wildcard spot. We are happy with the third one. So I think for the second straight series here, we are all Houston Astros fans. Like we want them to go sweep that series against the O's. The Jays sweep their series against Cleveland. And who knows what the standings could look like after that, but we're rooting for the Astros. Yeah, if, if if the Jays are a wild card team and this is not really an if, it's when they are. They're, they're they're very likely not catching Baltimore unless the Orioles implode. But even then, they have to jump over Tampa. It's it seems very difficult. The spot we want the Jays is wild card number three because then you get to take on the winner of the American League Central. And I mean, imagine being wild card number two and you go on the road to play at the fucking trot for your wild card series. Like, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't even tune in to watch that. Not a chance. That that's just horrible. So. I I mean, and then same thing, even if you're wildcard number one, you're probably hosting Tampa. You might be hosting Houston. Like that's Not so much worse it. than just going to Minnesota and playing the twins. So yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you. Let's uh, let's see Houston win some games here so that Jays can stay in wildcard three. That's what we like to see. And then we need to see oh. Seattle losing some games too, man, because they're making things interesting. Also Minnesota kind of is like Seattle light when it comes yeah. to the number of Jays fans will travel down. Like a lot of Jays fans from Manitoba and things like that. And I mean, Northern Ontario will make the drive for those games. So I think a wildcard series in Minnesota would actually, uh, would actually be really cool. So we'll see how the standings break. Uh, who else is everyone playing Tampa Bay is playing St. Louis. So they should have a pretty easy time with them. The Yankees are taking on the white Sox. The Red Sox are taking on Kansas city and the angels are taking on uh, San Francisco. Speaking of that Yankees Astro series, did you see that clip of Giancarlo Stanton rounding third and running home? I was watching the game live because I was interested to see how Verlander was going to pitch actually. Um, and that was like, I know he's done it a couple times this year where he just like m- lightly jogs, but like from the second the ball was hit, he does not take a hard stride at all. And the third base coach still sends him. It was insane like i know we were talking the other day about like oh george springer um having that rough stretch there was talk about what would you do with him in the off season like it's kind of turning into an ugly contract and my stance was he's still good in the clubhouse like having george springer around he's good in the field you know when he's hot you're gonna get some good weeks out of him i look at that john carlo stanton contract and i look at the way he was running those bases and i'm like man i don't know what you do if you're the yankees yeah, that's a rough one. Like it, at this point, Stanton, his role on the team is just to stand in the batter's box and try and hit a home run. Like yeah. he's pretty much like a three true outcomes player, walk, strike, out or home run on the bases. He can barely move. Like we saw somebody on Twitter did a uh, a video of Max syncing that one up with with a couple of years ago when he was managing the White Sox. Tony Larusa running out, <laughs> interacting with an umpire, and it it looks really funny. Um, yeah, I don't know what you do with Stanton, man. That's a that's a weird situation. That that effort was quite bad. That um, you can understand why Yankees fans feel the way they do about this season. Yeah, I'm trying to see how much is left on Giancarlo Stanton's contract too. In years, I don't know. Like that was like a forever contract he signed with the Marlins back in what would that have been 2013, 14? Yeah, I think that was like a 15 year contract, wasn't it? I I got it here. So this year he's making 32 million. Um, and then in 24 and 25, so he's got two more years at 32 million, another year when he's 36 years old at 29 million, and then another year at 25 before a club option in 2028. 
And I have a sneaking suspicion they will not be picking up that club option. <laughs> but I was watching the broadcast. Like you mentioned, his role is basically now just to like stand there and try to hit home runs. The the announcers, one of them you could kind of tell was like a little bit like, what are we doing here? But the other guy was like, ah, listen, it's Stanton's job to stay healthy and in the lineup. Everyone would prefer. They know if he runs too hard, he could get hurt. And the Yankees don't want him getting hurt. And I'm like, dude, if your $29 million player is afraid of sprinting, like I even not even sliding into home plate, like sure, whatever. But like if he's afraid of rounding third base hard because he might get hurt, you have a lot of problems. Um, but anyways, that kind of went viral this week. Thought it was funny. Uh, four games against the Cleveland Guardians for the Toronto Blue Jays. And it all starts tonight. A lot of baseball coming up. Coomzy, you enjoy these four games. We'll chat again on Thursday or Friday. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 